these. So these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Welcome back, Ryan. How's it going? Another day in paradise. Another day in paradise? <laughs> a long, long day in, in a work-filled paradise for you. That's all right. There's worse things. Yeah, there's cup there's cup noodles to soothe the soul. There right? is. <laughs> I'm jealous. I've not tried this one. It's a, I don't know if it's this Tapatio brand. I think it's probably just infused. I don't see another name on it, though. But the smell is intoxicating. And I, it's, it's it's called Big Bowl Grande. I will say. Big Bowl Grande? So I feel like <laughs> this might be a Tapatio just a, noodle. Just a touch redundant, <laughs> but I like it. It's a big, it's a big bowl, like big, big. I just, I always think of the um, Dragon Ball Super episode where they show them cup ramen to get them to train them, mm-hmm. and they're just freaking out and so excited about it, and they're just cup ramen. <laughs> I love it. Is that a wait? Was that the Beerus mm-hmm. Beerus stuff? Yeah. Oh my god, this is the best. Yeah, we got the best food here ever. But y'all aren't here for Dragon Ball. No. We are kind of with our little Goku friend here. But um a little mascot. Yeah, you know? Well him and Mothman. He's a he's a cool little mascot. I he's a new addition. I'm gonna so get not, him on the gram soon. He's not getting along with Squatch too well, he's a little too quiet. Yeah. <laughs> if I was Squatch, I'd be scared. Like Squatch if he's shares anything with us as humans, that is that's still a creepy looking dude, this Mothman. I wouldn't want to encounter that on the side of the road. He's just a silent friend. Big bug eyes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, we're back. Mm-hmm. Another week in the studio. Another week. Um, your day was good. My day was great. Headed off. Didn't do a whole lot. Get ready for this episode. It's a good time. Good. Uh, so, we are doing... I don't know if I mentioned it on the last episode, but we're going to do some... Um, like some wartime paranormal oh, right. stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of the stuff that I found was based around, uh, like around the time of and after World War II. Okay. So, um, we can jump right in. We've got. I got my stuff from like three different three different sources specifically because they had a lot of stuff, and we're going through. So these are going to be kind of some shorter stories. Um, some of them are supposed to be supposedly eyewitness accounts. Others, I have a little trouble believing well, that they're <laughs> super realistic but you know what made you pick this to start for. with uh i've wanted to do it for a long time i don't know what got me on to the wartime stuff specifically because i know that we've touched on it here and there for our different podcasts like you know the mk ultra stuff and you having the uh the time slips with the soldier the pilot at least um so, mm-hmm. so like we've touched on it and it's always been something that I like when we do do it I'm really interested in it's mm-hmm. just something that's caught my attention because I feel like that's already kind of unknown territory for a normal person uh, doing stuff during I mean you know like there's no way I can speculate as to how World War II was for anybody but I'm sure mostly awful mostly awful but yeah. <laughs> the tension that that puts on a person and the uh, the heightened sense of I would say maybe awareness and um, just pretty much everything. You got to be on another another kind of wavelength doing that sort of thing. So when weird stuff happens there, I feel like it's even a little. I don't know if it makes it more credible, but it's just it's just a more interesting area. People are already opinion. on the edge. Yeah, yeah. So it's there's like a lot of you're death. already kind of feeling for. Yeah, and there's a lot of death. Yeah, a lot of these are ghost stories. I'll be honest. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I've had the interest for a while. I know I wanted to do this for a while, but I wasn't I wasn't geared up for it last mm-hmm. time. I can't remember what was my last episode. It's going. We're getting old, man. Um, but yeah, just something that I wanted to try and do and found some pretty good stories on it. And they uh, they got a really good range to them, I feel like. So okay. we'll have some fun. We'll start with uh, some of the shortest ones. Um, and I found these on Llewellyn.com. I didn't know what that had to do with any of the wartime stuff, but it was like one of the first hits when I typed in wartime paranormal stuff. (laughs) 
Um, so the first story is called Warbirds Still Fly UK's Haunted Skies. So during World War II, and Ryan's going to be on mute for just a minute because he's enjoying his dinner. <laughs> Not to call you out. Uh, but if you don't hear anything from him right now, it's because we don't want to have you hear the slurps. Oh, I'll jump on real quick. <laughs> Get those ramen slurps in. We're not pulling any punches here. You might have to hear me wipe my mouth real fast, but right. I'll, I'll jump in. We should just uh, we should just do an episode in the middle of like Ryujin one of these days. <laughs> bring our bring our microphones there. Oh, just all the slurping. That would be. I feel like that would just be a reason for everybody to rage, rage, rage quit that. our podcast. Yeah, I have to edit that. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Come on, work around it. You can do it. No. Um, okay, so Warbirds Still Fly UK's Haunted Skies. Um, during World War II, the skies above the United Kingdom buzzed with every make and model of Warbird that the Allied and often the Axis powers could produce. Uh, bombers, fighters, transports, they all made England the world's biggest aircraft carrier at the time. Uh, after the war, you would expect the skies of the UK to quiet down a little bit, but dozens of witnesses claimed to have seen World War II-era planes cruising the blue yonder above England. When the witnesses raised the alarm, authorities often can't explain the appearance of these ghost planes. Uh, there are usually no air shows scheduled, nor do air traffic controllers have any record of them. And these are all going to be a little bit shorter, just this first... Oh, God, there's ten of them. Uh Planes, yeah. Like we could do a whole thing just on ghost planes. Uh huh. Because yeah, there's some crazy. But I love the those plane stories because there's so many of them. We could do a whole episode on it. Yeah. There's a, like a lot of World War One, World War Two era planes that get seen. Uh huh. Sometimes by like just civilian air traffic controllers, and uh -huh. they're like, "Hey, identify yourself," and they're getting nothing back. There's no radar. Yeah, stuff that doesn't even show up on their on their stuff mm -hmm. on their electronics. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we have to circle back around to that. Dude, we've got to do another state-specific uh, or a um, urban legends here soon. we got to throw that in the mix. Yeah, it's been a while. we got to look at our listenership and do one. Yeah. Um, so number two, we have Apparition Invasion. A group is on holiday vacation at the beaches of Dieppe uh, when they encountered a site of a bloodily botched raid in World War II. Uh, during the early morning hours of August 4th, a few weeks before the anniversary of the Dieppe Raid, or Operation Jubilee, the group said that they heard uh, the bang a bank of cannons and shouts and screams of, sh of soldiers. Uh, this band of spirit brothers even had air cover, the witnesses said, adding that they heard the scream of dive bombers. When the vacationers went out to investigate the next morning, I don't know what wouldn't make you go check out that night... <laughs> um, they found no sign of a real armed incursion and promptly reported their experiences to paranormal authorities. Sounds like a time slip, right? But you're gonna wait. You're gonna. You're still gonna. You're gonna camp out. You're gonna sleep there. And when you hear potential dive bombers, because that sound is pretty distinct. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that's a that's a high pitch. And if you're hearing explosions tied with that, yeah, all I can think of is like the white lake coyote <laughs> falling off the cliff. All the Acme bombs behind him. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go through these first ones. They're they're fun, but they're short. Uh, so number three, a German general's ghost in the U.S. Uh, you might expect the ghost of German General Erwin Rommel to be gliding through the sands of North Africa, or staring out onto the English Channel from the cliffs over Omaha Beach, or even appearing in his homeland of Germany. But believe it or not, your best chance of running into the spectral version of the Desert Fox is in the American South. People claim they saw Rommel's ghost in graveyards in a hotel in Virginia. Uh, the bit of ghost lore is based on Rommel's supposed secret visit before the war to America. Oh, so he so his his visit. He took a quiet vacation before the war. Yes. Yeah. He came to America to study Civil War battlefields and tactics. Um, historians say that there is no evidence uh, of that secret mission. However, so there's no proof that he was ever here. Believers say that the ghost is evidence enough for them, though. How would you How would you even know to identify that? Like how? Well, it might be something of like, man, I saw this really weird ghost, and then you're watching the History Channel, and you're like, oh, it was that guy. But this is not. This is supposed to be not too too long after. I feel like um, they don't give specific dates on most of these, but they they don't even give like years. But I'm assuming most of these are supposedly taking place. Yes, I missed you, Squatch. Welcome back, buddy. Um, I don't, I don't appreciate the, the call out though. I was, 
that was unnecessary. I well, it wasn't a groan at you. It was a groan at the lack of dates being given in, <laughs> in the reports. <laughs> I know, guys. Right? Do- you know, document your stuff. Um, Squatch needs like new, we Squatch do the best new, of that. I know, no. <laughs> Squatch needs some new batteries, man. Yeah, we get them. Uh, the not-so-passive Pacific. The Pacific Theater was the scene of World War II's most violent battles. Uh, in Okinawa, a Pacific island about 1,000 miles from Tokyo, that battle became personal. Japanese strategists knew that if the Americans seized Okinawa, they would have a base suitable to stage an invasion of Japan's mainland. So they filled the imagination of the island civilians with tales of supposed American atrocities. Uh, when the U.S. did invade, thousands of Okinawans reportedly jumped off cliffs to their deaths. Uh, visitors to the island say that they've heard the beat of footsteps rush by them to the cliffs and heard screams. Some have even Pleasant. said, right? Yeah, that's haunting. Some have even said when they heard the footsteps and simultaneously felt a breeze blow by them. Like like somebody literally just running mm-hmm. by you. And I'm, if I'm at the edge of a cliff, I'm already like, that. don't, don't throw me off. That way. <laughs> please no, please, please. no. My uh, equilibrium is already off. Um, others believe the presence of spirits passed directly through them as the ghosts reenact their last desperate leap. Sad. Sad stuff. That's not what you want to do on a Friday night? Jump off a cliff? Go see ghost people jump off a cliff? Certainly not. I, I would jump off a cliff depending where and how safe, because there are ones that you can do that, and they're kind of more meant for that. But I've done that. I'm... I'm you got off it? Yeah. <laughs> I did I it. guess I've never really done it, so I, I don't... It's, you got to try it once, I suppose. I guess fine. If you yeah, know if how you to break it, the water... Per, look, like, do not jump off a cliff. Do not do it because Creepy Campfire told you to. No, 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 please. No. But if there is a safe designated area that somebody has checked the water and make sure it's deep enough and there's no objects that can hurt you... Yeah. that's the problem. People go jumping and there's a tree that they don't know about in there or rocks and then they break something and die. Yeah. Um, so don't be careful, but it's fun to do in a safe place with the right people. And I did it once and I'm, I'm good off of it doing it again. It was it in Kentucky. Yeah. Think 50 foot drops. Jeez. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. The one of those things that (laughs) I am not super proud about because I did it to avoid being, um, called, um, I figured. Derogatory names. Yeah. No, I'm we'll sure you were probably going to save a bleep on that one. Yeah. Um, and that's not what you should do. But No, don't give it a peer pressure. Yeah. Not so easily, easier said than done as a kid, though. Um, but I'm glad that nothing went wrong. Yeah. Because it, it can in a heartbeat. It definitely can. So, uh, Haunted Harbors. Uh, America's battleships played key offensive and defensive roles during World War II. Many of these ships were brought back to the States, where they became both museums to preserve history and floating tributes to the sailors who served on board these floating fortresses. Uh, Some of those sailors are still around, according to legends. Moored in the appropriately named Cape Fear River, the USS North Carolina, for instance, is supposedly haunted by several ghosts. Witnesses have seen, felt, and heard the ghostly presences while touring, working, and investigating them on board the ship. If you guys are hearing any of these and you want us to do anything full length on them, let us yeah. know. I know, especially the the USS North Carolina, that's supposed to be notoriously haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, a majority of these we could probably yeah. expand upon. Yeah. And, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. They go into a bank of stuff that we can pull from them. We're looking for ideas. But if you want it now and you're like, hey, we're interested in this now, yeah. then it goes to the front of the list. So remember that. Let us know. Feedback is crucial, people. Um, So, signs and synchronicities. Famed Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, Jung coined the term synchronicity for events that seem related but aren't causally connected. Others might call this phenomena signs. Uh, Jung must have had a field day during World War II when synchronicities became part of the headlines and war coverage. In one case, an advertisement, which featured a graphic with dice sporting a 12 and a 7, seemed to predict Japan's pending attack on Pearl Harbor. In another bizarre case, code names for aspects of the D-Day invasion cropped up in crossword puzzles. Now people wonder whether these were just coincidences or the manifestation of unknown forces. 
because you know the government knew everything that we were gonna do before we did it. <laughs> Still true. They're all lizards, right? That's that's <laughs> it. I have heard that they did know about Pearl Harbor before it went down. I don't know. Would not the, be surprised. Don't know the truth of it. Don't know how far in advance they knew. Might have been not long and not enough for they'd have done anything about it. You have to wonder how many times they've softened the blow for us, though. Well, we saw it coming, but we were not prepared. So sorry, this is happening now. And I'm sure there's so many things that are... Our world's about to end in so many different ways all the time, and we have no right. idea. Yeah. I feel like if most, like everybody knew the reality of most situations, there would be... Everybody would be a stress case. Yeah, I've heard a lot of military people say that. Like, if you guys only knew, you wouldn't be able to sleep. And I am surprised that most of them still can. Well, I don't even most. I don't even know most. God. Veterans are not treated the best either, unfortunately. Anyways. Freaky Foo Fighters. Uh, Everyone knows that the modern UFO era... Everyone knows... The the modern UFO era began with Kenneth Arnold's 1947 sighting of a formation of an uh, unidentified craft flying like a saucer if you skipped it across water. Duh, Jordan, why are you telling us this? We already know. We already know, right? (laughs) We've never even touched on this. I have not even heard of this one. But I guess that's where UFO sightings began. Area 51? What? Betty and Barney Hill? What? Right? It's all about this guy. It's all about this dude. Kenneth Arnold. Get your facts straight. (laughs) Uh, so skipping across water over Mount Rainier in Washington, apparently the first sighting. Where did it? Uh, during World War II, several pilots claimed to see objects flying near or even at their formations. Descriptions of the crafts resembled what Arnold saw during his jaunt over the Cascades. Uh, the pilots dubbed these weird flying machines Foo Fighters. I guess where that term came from. I didn't know that. And many UFOlogists say these sightings ushered in the first credible reports of UFOs in modern history. So we have Kenneth Arnold to thank for all the craziness. Ghost Tank. I, Roadhouse. Can, can, I was going to say, can that be a movie title? Ghost, ghost Tank. Tank. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, we've heard of ghosts, ghost ships, ghost planes, and even ghost trains. But at least according to one group of witnesses, a ghost tank may still be patrolling the former battlefields of the Eastern Front. Witnesses told the newspaper that one night while scouring the fields for artifacts from the war... A team of war trophy hunters say they distinctly heard the unmistakable clanking of steel treads and the roar of an engine cutting across, cutting through the otherwise silent darkness. Too scared to investigate at the moment, they did report finding what looked like a twin tracks of some type of vehicle on the ground, and the tracks were fresh. So fresh. Hmm. Uh, were they so clean, clean? So clean. <laughs> clean. Um, <laughs> I feel like... That would leave quite an impression. I mean, tra- tanks did... They left a mark mm-hmm. on the earth beneath them, so... If you're seeing tracks and you're not seeing anything else around, that'd be... That would be pretty weirded out, for sure. I don't even know... That's just east, Bill at night. the eastern front. That's what? It's just Bill at night. Bill? Yeah, he takes his tank out in the middle <laughs> of the night, so that way nobody can tell him not to. He doesn't shoot anything, he just wants to drive his tank and feel cool. He just feels at home. That's just Bill. The big, the big steel monster. Um, so the Churchill Lincoln Spirit Summer Summit, Spirit Summer, Spirit Summer. <laughs> Sounds like a like a summer camp. It's a marketing thing. It's the spirit. It's the summer. <laughs> Bring your kids. Um, so is that the 2020 summer because you can't be in camp in person so that you're everyone you're here in spirit we're here in spirit <laughs> yes oh my god i feel so bad i mean is that even gonna be a thing anymore summer camp it will oh be my god, at this point give it time <sighs> heavy um so abraham lincoln's ghost winston churchill in the nude okay <laughs> sign me up now that I implanted those images into your mind for the rest of your life, let's go on with the ghost story. Throughout the war, Churchill visited the White House several times. According to several sources, during one such visit, the Prime Minister stayed in what now is called the Lincoln Bedroom. He had just popped out of a bath, went into the bedroom, completely unclad, and saw, leaning against the fireplace, Abraham Lincoln. The unflappable Prime Minister simply said, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. 
<laughs> touche, touche. I love that. So cordial. Uh, Lincoln Churchill said, acknowledge the prime minister with a knowing look, and then, like all good former heads of state who are technically dead, slowly faded away. I've heard this one, and it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. I love that. You got me at a, dis- me at a disadvantage. Oh, he wasn't, oh, just wasn't phased. Just, huh. Caught me with my pants down, sir. Well, this is where we're at. That's hilarious. I mean, what do you? What else do you say to mm-hmm. Lincoln? I mean, you can't get mad at him. It's not just Lincoln either. It's dead Lincoln. It's dead Lincoln. Yeah, at that point, you'd have to, you'd have to know. <laughs> so, uh, this was one of, this one was one of my favorites of this, um, this site's Double O Seven meets Six Six Six. Secret agents during World War II came from all walks of life. Some were military, some were civilian. Only one claimed to be anti- the Antichrist. Um, according to historians and paranormal theorists, Alistair Crowley, a magician, occult legend, and master provocateur, served as a secret agent or secret agent provocateur during the war. Uh, these experts even, even suggest that future James Bond creator Ian Fleming, an intelligence offered during World, World War II, uh, enlisted Crowley's magical talents to cast a spell that eventually lured Rudolf Hess, Adolf Hitler's head henchman, to secretly fly to England on a so-called peace mission. Another story says that Prime Minister Winston Churchill's V for Victory sign was actually an occult gesture proposed by Agent 666 himself, Alistair Crowley. And I've heard of Crowley, but I, I've not done Ooh. lots of research on him. People are probably shouting... At their speakers at you right now. Okay. Because Crowley is like... Crowley's one of the more famous paranormal people. Mm-hmm. He... I feel like we've mentioned his name maybe once on this. Yeah, we've not... Well, we've not gotten too much into the magical. Yeah. And he was in the magical. Doing the dark arts. Doing, okay. Doing the spells. Trying to do the spells. Trying to do the spells. Trying to let out the demons. Well, I was going to say, I, I mean, I feel like, I guess that would be, I, I don't know, I don't, I try not to be offensive, but I would, I feel like that would be somewhere on this, closest to the side of, like, exorcisms and stuff like that, that sort of, I mean, that's more supposed to be spiritual and not magical, but I, like, I don't know where else to, I don't even, I don't know where else you to You don't know what box that. to put it in? Yeah. It's its own thing. I suppose so. Yeah. Um, not necessarily paranormal, but not normal either. Yeah, it's just, because, Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got a lot. There's there's just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a little bit of a ladies' man. Kind of kind of used his charm. Okay. To to do things. Uh, maybe a Manson-esque kind of figure, or uh, just I mean, I feel like maybe just the cult of personality sort of thing. But definitely a cult of personality kind of thing. Um, yeah, he was just trying to. And he like jumped into a lot of different groups, like yeah. like the the the. I don't even know what you call them—the secret societies, mm-hmm. uh, Masons, and I think a couple, oh, Freemasons, yeah, and then yeah. a couple other groups, and would wow. seem like he was just kind of get in and get whatever secret knowledge he could, and use it, and do whatever he wanted with it, and he would be a strong proponent of the uh, Illuminati. I don't know if he'd be for them, but he had his own kind of um, his own agenda. No, well, yeah, but his own kind of—it was almost like a culty mindset or view on how you should live mm-hmm. it wasn't like a anything goes but kind of do whatever you feel like as long as it's not messing on messing up whatever anybody else wants to do what they feel like okay yeah i know it's butchering but crowley, i will do some more research on this crowley he, he seemed like an interesting character ozzy ozzy and a lot of other rock stars felt so did they was um Oh, maybe He's drawing inspiration. Mentioned by a lot of British rockers. Yeah. In songs. Well, yeah, Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley. Crowley. Yeah. yeah. Of course. There's a big debate on if it's Crowley or Crowley. I, I go with Ozzy because hear... Ozzy taught me. Yeah, right. I always hear Crowley. <laughs> I always hear Crowley. Uh, oh, man, I missed that song. It's been a long time. So that is it for Llewellyn. We are moving on to military.com. Um, so they have some... These are still somewhat short, but they're a little bit more uh, descriptive, I would say. Uh, so we're going to start with Saigon's Haunted Apartments. Uh, the building at 727 Tran Hung Dao in Ho Chi Minh City. Forgive me. 
Uh, also known I think as, you nailed it. Also known as Saigon. I know Ho Chi Minh, but uh, we're not even going to. I'm not going to attempt the other one again. Uh, it was a building that housed American service members for much of the Vietnam War. But its construction was plagued by accidents from the get-go, some of which killed the workers building it. Many blamed it on the number of floors the building had. Take a guess. Thirteen. Yep. <laughs> Unlucky number. I'm leaving that pause. <laughs> yep. Um, good job, though. Uh, in order to assuage their fears and get the building completed, the architect decided to call in a shaman to fix the building's feng shui issues. It said the shaman brought the dead bodies of four virgins from the local hospital and buried them at the four corners of the building, which would protect it from evil spirits, which would, I feel like, not be acceptable nowadays. How the hell do you just go about claiming four virgin bodies? Well, you see, <laughs> you start with a shovel. I guess maybe a lot of unaccounted <laughs> bodies for back then, potentially, in you know, war times. And Vietnam. Uh, uh, to this day, residents hear screams of horror in the middle of the night, the sound of a military parade on the march through the building, and the apparition apparition of a spectral American GI walking, holding hands with his Vietnamese girlfriend. Sweet. It's a sweet ending, though, you know? Um. <laughs> Squatch, how do you feel? <laughs> I don't know how to take that, Squatch. I don't either, but somehow I concur. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is, I agree. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I feel like, depending on the... Because I feel like apparitions in general or, you know, ghosts that people have seen, they always take on different embodiments. But some some will seem plain as day. Like, you couldn't even... From afar or even up close, you wouldn't even be able to tell unless you... I don't know, I guess, accidentally tried to touch them or something and you went through them. If ghosts are real, and I'm inclined to think they are, I want to know... I'm more interested because I want to know the science of it. Yeah. Because of that, what you were saying, like, you get some that are, like, you barely see a silhouette all Mm -hmm. the way up to, like, oh, I thought that was a person, and then they walked through a wall. Yeah. And then they're gone. So I'm like, okay, so if that's... If we take all of that, and that's all right, then there's a spectrum of something. Mm Mm-hmm. And what is making spectrum. any of that? Yeah. Spectral, spectral spectrum. spectrum. <laughs> Not a spectral rectum. That needs hey. to be... Oh, God. <laughs> that needs to be... Okay, we need to do another ghost episode, and that should be... The maybe, the, maybe the different kinds of ghosts or something like that, and we can make that the title. Sorry, that just sounded like <laughs> a, too good to pass up. You're fine. Alliteration. And, yeah, I just want to know science behind it, because I think that would be an interesting, interesting thing. We'll do that. Maybe the different... Um, the different kinds of ways people see ghosts. And then I want to tie that in with white noise because we haven't really touched on white noise much. Mm. And I feel like that is one of the only avenues that people have taken in that sort of research or at least the one that they can get the furthest with. When you say white noise, do you mean just like actual white noise or when people are hearing, because I've heard reports of people hearing like trumpets. When people hear stuff like through it or like potentially being communicated with. Okay. Uh, from or by it um not just you know speaking of the movie white noise but which is kind of what that's all about but um but that being that being based on somewhat in reality uh if like recordings of stuff that you end up hearing which is even scarier to me because when you can hear them talking i'm like well obviously something is there you don't you don't do the evps nope (laughs) nope no EVPs, no EMPs, nope. <clears throat> so, the Tunnel Rats encounter. Oh, forget that. Do you know what a Tunnel Rat is? In this context? Uh-huh. Uh, it's going to tell me. Okay. It's going to tell us. So we'll, we'll, inf- we'll inform everybody. <sighs> On Reddit, a, term- a terminally ill v- uh, Vietnam veteran recounted a story of his time in Vietnam that he was going to take to his grave but opted to put it on um reddit slash no sleep instead for the uninitiated army tunnel rats were troops who would crawl into nva and Viet Cong tunnels to eradicate the troops that hid there below the surface yes it was one of the war's most dangerous jobs crawling around in the dark avoiding booby traps and trying to kill before they killed you yeah 
scary. I've watched videos of World War Two guys going in. Flashlight and a pistol, good luck. Oh. Yeah, that's what all of that crawling through the mud stuff is training you for. Oh, man. I've heard, like, people tell stories that they're going through, and then they get to, like, a, just, it's just tunnels. They're going around, and all of a sudden it opens up, and there's, like, a little bunk area where, like, four guys get sleep. Yep. And they're just like, oh, you're here. And you're like, oh, you're there. What do we do now? Now we fight. <laughs> and you're like, I'm just going back away slow. I was never here. Right? I would, like, yeah. I can only assume that's happened a time or two. I don't know. I feel like so we, there were so many kids there's, in that war. There's in, a lot of, in all wars, but. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good stories, though, of guys showing up in times, and they were like, you know what? I'm not messing with you. You're not messing with me. Yeah. We don't have to do this. I'm just going to act like we didn't see each other. When you can find that sort of um, just, I don't even know what to call it, like general sense of compassion maybe like this isn't war right now yeah well we're not in a battle we don't got to do this right yeah going i mean i guess that you're already doing something that's so large in scale potentially bringing it down to the person or people specifically around you trying to think more on a i don't know because i feel like it's just dehumanizing in general yeah, I, I think my favorite story is from World War One. I. I know we're digressing, but sorry. This is all part of it. We need good human stories right now. Yeah. I love the... I'm pretty sure it was World War I um, when it was Christmas, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, mm-hmm. and both sides were like, we're calling a, calling a 24-hour truce. Yep. And they like played soccer together, shared cigarettes, mm-hmm. had a good old little time. Celebrating their Christmases on their own respect on either side, either. Well, and too. together. Yeah. You know, they couldn't speak the languages, but you know what? They've made a way, and even though they were just shooting at each other yesterday, they're like, neither of us really wants to be here. How do you go back to that, though? How do you go to that? And then, I mean, I guess I would just want, if you end up with that reprieve after God knows what you've been through, how could you go back? I heard the leaders were pissed about oh, I'm sure. that. Oh, I'm sure. On the, the, um, Axis side. Oh, on either side. I bet. Well, on our side, from what I've heard, on our side, we were, weren't that mad, but the Axis people were like, were livid because of that very thing that's just going to soften them up. We, Demoralizing troops we, and stuff like yeah, that. We yeah, we built these people up to be monsters, and now they're seeing that they're not monsters. Yeah. So that was the only time, I think, that happened. As soon as you find that relatability, you know, that door opens. It's, yeah. it's unfortunate that it hasn't happened more. But. The off chances that it did, it was so cool. So back to tunnel rats. Uh, more depressing. Um, so this tunnel rat was crawling into the deepest tunnel he'd ever been in. Not a good start. Along with his partner. When they finally arrived in the main room, they were astonished to they were astonished that no booby traps were set and an oil lamp was still lit. The only thing they found was a tarp. But when they moved the tarp, it revealed a set of stone stairs, moving deeper underground. The stairs were odd and definitely not built by the VC. They looked centuries old, uh, and the two men cautiously climbed down the stairs, guns drawn, when they came upon another tarp. Cautiously, the rats rats moved the other tarp with their pistols and fixed uh, and fixed their flashlights on ten or so Vietnamese people dressed as VC but with blank faces looking out into space. Bodies rocking back and forth, eyes a solid color. The men waved their flashlights and weapons in their faces, but nothing stopped their rocking motion. And I don't know if you're painting a picture, but it's, cre- it's so creepy so far. Their now rusted weapons were in a pile in the corner. At the head of the room was a golden icon of a naked woman, except the lower half of her body featured eight tentacles instead of human legs. The men were tempted to touch the icon, but instead decided to go rig the entrance with C4 and bail as fast as possible. As they were leaving, a woman's voice called out to them. And they blew him up. That's a dick move. That's a dick move. <laughs> Obviously, they're not... Fu- they're not... Yeah. But, you know. Um, but, yeah. That kind of reminds me of, like... Uh, I don't know if that's, like, experimentation or something... Oh, like they were just on a hard Dark trip. What was going on there? Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Well, if, if all their weapons are rusted at that point, it feels like they. I guess whatever they're doing is. But that's been the doing thing. For a while. You get a little bit of a Lake uh, Makuni 
Not Makuni. Makuni's is a, is a sushi place around Sacramento. <laughs> Lake Anjakuni. Yeah. Um, where you got conflicting time things because the oil lamp uh-huh. was freshly burning. True. But their guns were rusted. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, I guess they could have thrown their guns there a long time ago. Yeah, unless they have people like checking on them or something. Again, potential experimentation or I don't know what the idol has to do with it unless that's... I wish that one of them would have touched it. Daughter of Cthulhu? I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of Cthulhu, Lovecraft Country, right up our alley. So great. You would maybe enjoy it. Uh, but it's on HBO. Um, <laughs> HBO plug. Come on. Hit us up. Uh, so a veteran comes home. Use you on a Notre Dame alumni website. Um, one alum remarks about his chance encounter with a guy he had known since grade school. He was working a construction job in 1967 was, and was on his way home after work one night. He was coming around the corner when he walked by an old funeral parlor. He noticed the man was his old friend Jerry, a guy he hadn't seen in two years. The construction worker was tired and not really in the mood to rehash old times, so he put his hat down and walked by his old friend and noticed. I'm assuming tipped his hat down. Uh, when he got home, his mother was on the phone talking to one of the construction worker's friends. She immediately stopped her son to tell him that his old friend Jerry had been killed in Vietnam and his body was at the funeral parlor down the street. So he saw his dead friend. Huh. Uh, ghouls of the Jungle. Uh, so this one, Marines in Vietnam would often try to recruit locals to help guide them in the area of operations. In some areas, however, the locals were fearful of going into the densest, darkest parts of the jungle. The reason they found was the local superstition that phantoms called Ma occupied the trees there. Uh, Montagnards? Montagnards? M-O-N-T-A-G-N-A-R-D-S. What's your best guess? Montagnards? Montagnards? There's yep. no, there's no, uh, no tilde, like, no, 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 yeah, there's none of that. <laughs> no umlauts or anything like that. So I'm like, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. Uh, war, and I don't know what it is. Warned the U.S. troops that reanimated corpses awaited them in the trees. Uh, the Marines have, of course, shrugged the stories off as folklore, but starting in 1965, it became very real. American troops in the jungles of Vietnam began reporting ghostly figures moving supernaturally through the trees. Others reported fanged creatures with black eyes that would try to kidnap and consume unsuspecting troops. In one encounter, the beasts were found to be bulletproof. Does that just mean that it got away from you? (laughs) Uh, It didn't matter what time of day it was, the corpses lived by both day and night. Since the triple canopy jungle kept the sunlight from hitting them, the military's top brass decided to get rid of it. That's the real reason the military developed Agent Orange and Napalm. The Marines would then roll in with flamethrowers to finish the job. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it wasn't solely paranormal, uh, paranormally based. When, like... And just, by the way, uh, just the worst thing you ever could have made. What a, what a gross... Um, not, not a fan of some Agent Orange? What a gross product. Just horrible. It's terrible. Some of the things we've done. <laughs> it's a country. Yeah, well. Um, but it's, I don't know. That's not, that is the my least favorite part of looking into stories like these. My my most favorite is like the redeeming qualities that we find. But everything in between is, it's all interesting. Because I like when stuff has some historical accuracy to it too. Uh, so that was it for military.com. This is from warhistoryonline.com. And these were my favorite stories for sure. So the first one's called The Missing Children. Um, during the war, this was again World War II, um, Switzerland did its best to remain neutral, but was sought after by both the Allied and Axis powers. When Germany initiated acts of aggression um, against the country, the United Kingdom sent reinforcements. That was how one British company found themselves stationed in a remote village in the Swiss Alps. A few weeks after the British company had entered the village, the locals started to notice a series of strange incidents. Pieces of wood and tarps disappeared from sheds. Uh, Valuables were stolen from their homes. The culmination of these events was a child from the village going missing. At first, it was assumed that the disappearance was a tragic accident, but then more children disappeared. The only adult to disappear was Private Reginald from the British unit. He went missing from the barracks, and this led to a rumor that a monster was living in the mountains and preying on the village. 
after Private Reginald, even more children disappeared. One Maybe he was just the Pied Piper. All right. Well, so it says uh, they called him. It's a general, right? Private. Private. Where would that ranking be in a group? In a small group like that? Um, not super up there. So there would probably be like a higher status. Yeah, captain. Probably like a captain or a general around there. Yeah, well, I don't know if generals around, but they're pretty pretty way up there. And maybe not in the Swiss Alps. Sergeant, I think, is above it. Okay. So. Um. So, because I was wondering what his, uh, how important he was, essentially, to the. To, to our the veterans listening, I'm very sorry, but. I uh, yeah we're, I. We're pulling from our pop cultural knowledge. Yes. So. And as much as I am intrigued by this i uh i do not claim to know everything uh ins and outs of the military formation sorry sorry guys um so after private reginald disappeared even more kids disappeared uh one night a figure was seen peering through the window of a house as the soldiers patrolled the town the soldiers yelled at the figure which took off they gave chase reaching the edge of the village where the figure appeared to jump into the ground soldiers found a cave hollowed out on the side of a snowdrift Shots were fired from the cave and returned by the soldiers. After moments of silence, they investigated the cave further. Inside, they found Reginald shot through the heart and surrounded by the half-eaten bodies of seven children. Yum. And nothing else. And where was that at again? In the Swiss Alps. All right. And Squatch, you got a cousin up there? Yeah. Right. Uh, we just... So shots were returned and then fired back in. So I'm wondering if they didn't accidentally kill him when they were shooting back in. It's possible. It still doesn't explain the half-eaten kids. Unless he went Unless he was a werewolf over a week or, or something like that. I don't know. But that would be a sight to behold. Oh, my God. Um, just an interesting one. I don't know if... Because you want to think that it's, it would be a monster. Because you wouldn't want to think that a human would have the capacity to do that. But but we are the greatest monster of all. We are the greatest monster. Speaking of cannibals, the Japanese cannibals. <laughs> Cannibalism during war has happened throughout history. In most cases, it occurred, doing, uh, it occurred due to dwindling supplies and a need for survival. For Indian prisoners of war held by Japanese forces in New Guinea and Singapore, however, this was the culmination of their torture. Uh, according to testimonies from POWs for the War Crimes Investigations Commissions, cannibalism was conducted under supervision. Two testimonies state that 19 prisoners were eaten by their Japanese captives. The reason was not survival, but the simple fact that they could. The testimonies state that certain parts were removed from the body and cooked, including the thighs, liver, and buttocks. Gotta get that butt meat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the human bacon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so fatty <laughs> there were there were times that the prisoner uh when the prisoner there were times when the prisoners were dead and this happened uh other times they were still alive not scary j- well scary but also very real not necessarily paranormal but it's supposed to do some weird things though creepy nonetheless that's supposed to be how you turn into a wendigo eating people eating people i feel like there just no good can come, no good can come of that. I don't I don't know how that could ever be. You know what sounds like a really good idea? Eating, Let's eat Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Let's right? eat Jeff. I mean, I guess you know, like there's you know there's the he's Donner... got that weird laugh. We don't. <laughs> <we're>... <laughs> it's always either the biggest or the most annoying person that goes for sure. But I mean, like there's the Donner Party and stuff like that, and I mean even out of survival. I would definitely be the guy that they just find frozen to death in the corner because he didn't partake. Yeah. Because I feel like you'd be worse off after having to eat a person, especially that you know at that, to, at that point. What if you like were like, hey, guys, I'm going out for wood. I'm not feeling this conversation about eating dead Jeff. Yeah. Let's, let's say dead Jeff. He's de- dead already. Okay. And you're like, I'm not feeling this. I'm going to go try to find some stuff we can eat. And then you come back, and then Jeff's roasting on a fire. Not distinguishable. Well, you know, the meat's off the bone. <laughs> Would you then? Why are you going to give me a hypothetical <laughs> morality question? 
Uh, I mean, I suppose depending on the survival instincts needed, slash whatever the situation may be, uh, I would maybe not be able to discern that that was Jeff anymore. I was about to say, I, and, feel, uh, I feel like the most difficult part of this is what a lot of people have a hard time with with eating animal meat, and that's the butchering part of it. Exactly, yeah. So that's why I'm like, if if they already got the calf meat off mm-hmm. and it was roasting off the leg. We found a, we found a pork belly. We found, <laughs> we found a real nice loin, and it's, it's cooking away. Herbed and rubbed. Oh, God. Um, I, I don't know. I would, that would take, I still, uh, I would have to be on the verge. Yeah. I feel like, and I would have to not, I would have, you would have to convince me that that's not Jeff. Because my thing is like, if I do make it, one, I have to, people are going to know I ate people. Yeah. And two, I have to look Jeff's mom in the eye and be like, he tasted good. (laughs) I'm not doing that. (laughs) Or you have to hand her this like corpse you you cut up. You did that. And the coroner's going to be pissed. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that that mom's not like, kill yourself. Like, at this point, you you, you, you should have, I don't know. There's no family that's ever going to be okay with that. So cannibalism's uh, off the table. No, it's off the table. For off, sure. Okay, <laughs> off the table. Just, just had to be clear. Uh, unknown cannibalism, I suppose it could happen, but I, hopefully not. Jesus. We're off. We're, okay, we're done with cannibalism for now. It's off the table. We're done. No, oh, God. Ghost planes. More fun. I thought we did ghost planes. That was one. I, I told you, was, there was more than one occurrence for this. Um, so many people saw ghost planes during and after the Second World War. Uh, fighter aircraft would appear and disappear without a trace. One such, one such sighting occurred a year after the attack on Pearl Harbor. When the United States Army radar started to pick up the signal of an oncoming plane... A few pilots were sent out to investigate. They returned with an amazing story. They had seen a plane, but it was an American P-40 that looked like it had been through a battle. The plane was said to be covered in bullet holes with the landing gear missing and the pilot bloody. The pilots had seen the plane suddenly crash as if it had just dropped out of the sky. And when they went to investigate the crash site, they found that there was no pilot. But wait, there was a plane. There was just no pilot. No pilot. Well, he fell out. <laughs> but uh, but they say that they had seen a potentially bloodied pilot in the cockpit. But when it lands, mm. I'm like, did he fall out? Oh my god! Is there no get shoot? thrown in the crash? No shoot or something I like mean, that? I'm sure they would have combed the area and looked. But I'm surprised they even found this because usually with these stories, what I hear is, yeah, we went to see where it would have crashed, but nothing and was nothing there. Was there? Yeah, that's what I that when I was reading through that, yeah. I was like, there's yeah. So, so I'm, be gone. I'm surprised they actually found found a plane. Yeah, and that time, no pilot. I'm like, what's left of the plane, though, at that point? Uh, so we got a, We have a blimp mystery, the late blimp mystery. Uh, ghost planes are not the only aircraft linked to strange happenings in the war. Uh, an L-8 blimp, which took off from the Treasure Island in 1942, has its own mystery. The blimp was on a submarine spotting mission and crewed by two men. Jeez, only two people on a whole blimp? Aren't those things massive? Well, the blimp itself is massive, but you just got like a little bitty cockpit on the bottom. I'm just like, how much of their? I'm just wondering what you have to maintain. I'm sure, I'm sure they probably did it pretty bare bones for those that kind of thing. Um, so the blimp was on it. Yeah, submarine spotting mission. Two two guys. It was a simple mission, but an hour and a half into the patrol, the pilot radioed that they were investigating a possible oil slick in the water. You're looking for submarines and you think it's an oil slick? I would think your first guess would be a submarine. If you're seeing something black under the surface. But who knows? Uh, That was the last transmission to come from the L-8. Later that day, the blimp was seen drifting over the coast and was starting to sag in the middle. The flight of the L-8 ended when it crashed into a house in Daly City. Uh, The rescue team sent out to the crash site found something strange. The doors of the cabin were open and the crew was missing. Everything was in its correct place, and no emergency gear had been used. The crewmen had simply disappeared and were never found. Parachuted out, maybe? I don't know. Burnt up in the crash? Burnt up in the crash? Well, I mean, if, if like, they were still able to, you know, find a cockpit, 
and with like most of its gear intact, you would I would think that they would find hmm. yeah some sort of corpse or and even if they burn up in a fire, their bones will still be there. Yeah, but I don't know. Their last spotting an oil slick, and it's the way to go. So you've got the Diplomat Hotel. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh, in the Philippines, it's a prime spot for ghost hunters, apparently. With banging and screams being heard in the middle of the night, the terror scene in this building occurred when the Japanese invaded the Philippines. The building was once a monastery, and the invading forces beheaded all of the nuns and clergy when they took the city. Harsh. Monastery was turned into a sanatorium for the remainder of the war, and after the war, the use of the building changed again as it became a hotel. Guests of the hotel often report seeing black figures and women in white. Yeah. All of our women in white. But did you need to cut the nun's head off? No. Like, what's the nun? And the whole do? clergy? Why? Why? I don't know. Terrible acts of war. And it's all, it's all you know, acts of t- it's terrorism, essentially. Uh, so we've got, we only have a couple more. So we've got the Normandy ghosts for our first Normandy story. Uh, Normandy has a number of sites from World War II that can be visited today. One father decided to do this with his seven-year-old daughter. Um, while in France, nothing strange occurred, but in the year after the visit, his daughter often spoke of men and other things that she saw while there. She described men pointing guns at her and following her while they toured the bunkers in the area. She described them as hiding behind corners and moving around like soldiers would. While this could normally be written off as an act of imagination, especially somebody that young, she was able to perfectly describe the uniforms of both sides of the conflict. I would be like, Dad, get me the hell out of here. That was a cool one. It's fun. Somebody finally saw something, and I love when they're able to re-depict or just like fully depict something. Because what, what seven-year-old would know right. what a uniform would look like? Exactly. That's why we do this. <laughs> <laughs> what did she know? Well, what as, happened? And as much as it went down on the beaches in Normandy, oh I'm, yeah, I'm surprised it's not like things right and left. Cause oh like, yeah. I think about Gettysburg. And that's so much gets reported at Gettysburg. I mm-hmm. imagine Normandy would be the same way. Awful. Just one of the worst. I would think that'd be one of the worst sites. So we've got the SS Alkimos, which was an American ship where uh, strange accidents happened. Um, the ship was built for use in the war and sold to Norway, which used it to transport weapons. Uh, but in 1944, a radio operator was killed by one of the crew who then shot himself. The death was covered up and the radio operator was claimed to have been killed by enemy fire. Following the war, the ship was sold to a Greek shipping company, where in 1963 the ship crashed into a reef and then caught fire while in Fremantle for repairs. The ship had had barely left Fremantle for Hong Kong for more repairs when the tow line snapped. The Alchemist could not be unstuck from its location, though many companies tried to salvage it over the years. Each attempt was met with bad things happening to the crew. The caretaker on board also reported hearing footsteps and voices and having strange feelings. The ship was eventually abandoned and slowly sank into the water. I want to find the actual experiences of those groups. Um, what keeps what keeps people coming back? You hear one crew went over there and then they went missing. I'm like, <sighs> good luck to whoever. <laughs> well, you, I mean, initially you, you're like, well, we can't just not go and say it's because of ghosts we're in the military and they're saying we got to go get the ship we can't be like oh we're scared of the ghost story but how many groups how many groups do you send out there before you're like probably probably should stop just losing people (laughs) see giveth the sea taketh (laughs) taketh away um okay so we've got the ghost in islington Uh, during the darkest days of the war rosina french was a volunteer fire watcher in the london borough of islington Uh, while she could not serve on the front lines she could check for traveling fires and bomb threats During one of her shifts, she encountered a supernatural force. While standing at her post, she noticed a shining white figure. At first, she assumed it was a person or a gravestone, but then the figure was too tall. When she later told other people about the being, it appeared as if she had called it. Her post was next to a church and cemetery, and it is believed that the figure was lost souls escaping from the grave. Lame. Lame. Sorry, that was one I had not read. (laughs) Uh, we're going to finish on a strong note. Okay, We have the... Uh, oh, I probably shouldn't even... Uh, so they, the terminology they use is my favorite, but the, uh, the Headless Gringa. Um, the Galapagos Islands were home to a U.S. Army, post, uh, U.S. Army post during the war. 
According to the legend of the headless Gringa, a soldier lived on post with his wife. When he found out that she was cheating on him, he pushed her off a cliff. Dick move. Dick move. As if there were not gruesome enough, her head caught between some rocks as she fell. The momentum of the fall caused her head to separate from her body entirely. While there are no records of this actually happening, ever since then, sailors and airmen have had encounters with the headless gringa. The most common experience is someone climbing into their bed and pressing their weight on their chest to suffocate them. Dick move. Not a dick move, but I mean, that started with the biggest dick move. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's, uh, there's so, I hate the stories of being woken up. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially since you can relate. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, that would flash in my mind if there was something, you know, that uh, even closely occurred to me. But, so, I it's unfortunate that these aren't more specific. I wish that they were a little bit more eyewitness account uh, geared or driven. But, um... Well, we have them spanning from World War One to Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it, a majority of it was based around World War Two and right after. Um, but then, yeah, we even had all, all the way up to Vietnam. But... The hardest part with any war story, or any, any sighting of anything paranormal or supernatural, is that we're talking about people that are already under a lot of stress exactly way more than the average person is Mm -hmm. so it's barked commands at you all the time living and just trying to live trying to live never ideal circumstances enemies like who who what normal person has to worry about enemies potentially killing them at any given point i'm like that's got to do something to this. Of course, it obviously does something to your psyche. So that it makes it difficult. However, because of the severity of everything, a lot of these sightings, I feel like either they go unreported or misreported because they're not viewed viewed as paranormal. They're viewed as actual things. Mm-hmm. So like anything seen flying, unless it's like, oh, that's clearly a saucer shape or something strange like that. Yeah they get reported because all this has to be documented is that some new aircraft we don't know about or um i thought i saw a spy sneak in even though it was weird because they were dressed like they were from 1712 Uh but i still yeah when the timing doesn't fit yeah so and these are people that are trained to observe they're trained to report and report accurately Mm -hmm. um so i don't I, i i enjoy them because of the accuracy but it's also it's hard because of the amount of stress these people are under. Yeah, there's no saying what a. I mean, if normal people see stuff when they see it, who knows what a when your brain's going through whatever that puts you through, what could happen. But it's it's not fun to think about people already being in that situation and then those kinds of things happening. But it's it's very intriguing to be like you know it's stepping outside of our realm of like our knowledge because you know neither of us have done anything like that but just to imagine what that on top of what you're already doing is i'd be like i am going home i'm done <laughs> not gonna be a tunnel rat anymore no thank you yeah, there was an octopus lady idol down there crazy people nodding back and forth i'm not doing it and then, uh, yeah and then you gotta and then you get an order to like blow them up. Dick moves all all over. All around, all around. But yeah, that is a good, a nice one little chunk of some wartime stories. Some fun stuff. Some not so much fun stuff. Lots of cannibalism, eating people. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's um, like they said, that's gone on through like almost every war, if not every war. Unfortunately, but. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that I could probably do another episode on Vietnam stuff alone. Oh, d- like yeah. Easily. Not to say that I won't, but I'm going to give it a minute. Yeah, the want to might not be there. Yeah, no. Because these were, these were more sad 
honestly, than anything, because you already you already feel for your Patriots. Yeah, give me more of the mysterious planes. Yeah, those are those are good. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's dead, like for sure. Okay, good. Okay, it's just creepy. Cool. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> a little bit lighter. You saw something weird walking around. Cool. Okay. Okay, we I'll can, take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Half-eaten kids and a dead guy. Oh. So hopefully you can bring back <laughs> bring it back with a little positivity. We'll so see. I've got to find something fun now. <laughs> Yeah, not the, um, no pressure. <laughs> I've got no idea what I've got coming next, um, okay. but it's fine. <laughs> I'll figure something. Yeah, um, it's not that I don't have anything to choose from. It's just which I've chosen. What to devote your time to? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, guys, um, thank you for joining us for another episode. Absolutely. We are um, looking forward to whatever Ryan got. Ryan's got cooking next. Yep, something's in the pot. And. Um, for now stay away don't you know don't be don't be toasting up any people to eat don't do that no okay no that's, off that's frown, the table very frowned upon off the table keep it off your table <laughs> <laughs> um but until next time folks stay, stay toasty, toasty.